a healthy heart for the nation. So I feel like I need to say bonjour, uh, buongiorno, uh, willkommen, van harte welkom, heli chash amadid, oh, buona diminiata, benvindo, hello and welcome. This is London calling. Uh, if I've missed some out, I'm sure I have. You're very welcome here uh, as well. And uh, we, we're here to tell you today that a healthy New Testament church is one that is praying for and reaching into cities and nations beyond its own boundaries, as well as reaching the diverse peoples of its own city. We do that not because we love diversity per se, but because we love Jesus, because we love his gospel, because of the stuff we've just been singing, because his good news reached us um, when we were ignorant of his good news. Someone came to us. Historically, people came to this country. Um, this country didn't begin with the gospel. Uh, people came and found us. They communicated the good news about Jesus to us in our own language. Uh, they started new communities called churches here. They translated the scriptures into English or whatever your language is, just as they've been commanded to do from the scriptures which they held so dear. Um, I don't believe that we can be filled with the power and the courage of the Holy Spirit that we've been singing about and not push out beyond our own board, boundaries and borders. The Holy Spirit is a missionary Holy Spirit. In Acts 1.8, just as Jesus was about to ascend into heaven, he said, you'll receive to his disciples, and therefore by extension to you and me, if you're a follower of Jesus, he said, you'll receive power when my Holy Spirit comes in. Can I hear you say power? Well done, you're awake. You'll receive power when my Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. If we're going to be in obedience to the command of what will happen when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, uh, then we must push out beyond. This week and next week, I think, are where we get to study again this apostolic vision, but also the expectation that ordinary people like you and me get to carry this good news of, of Jesus. Um, anyone, everyone, everywhere, anytime, uh, out to the ends of the earth as we've been singing. I, I think that's a challenging song. Some of us put our hands in the air when we sing to the end of the earth, we'll go. Some of us think, I, I don't know if I could even go to the end of my street with the gospel. And I don't say that flippantly. There'll be some that we do send to the ends of the earth from here. In fact, some that make up this precious family have come to us from the ends of the earth. Uh, and there'll be some that we send to other places. But for some of us, getting hold of this power of the Holy Spirit and having it unblocked in our lives uh, to become actual practitioners of these wonderful promises that are in the Acts of the Apostles. For some of us, that means just courage to go to the end of our street, to our neighbour, to the person next door, to whoever it is we're at college with or we talk to in our lunch break. Can I hear an amen, please, this morning? Okay, well done. So it's, it's Nations Sunday, so I've got my, uh, my Zambia shirt on underneath. It's not the Zambia shirt that Joseph gave to me. It's another one. Excuse me a moment. Okay, so turn with me in your Bible, please. A little bit of color, that's nice, isn't it? To Acts chapter 11. And uh, we'll just pick up a bit of story of this... Uh, this apostolic vision, and then we've got some stories and some news from others before we get time to pray together and really pick up on, on what Richard was summarizing there uh, a few minutes ago. I'll try to be brief 
this morning. Acts chapter 11, I'll just pick up from um, verse 19. Now those who've been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached ears of the church in Jerusalem. The ears of the church. Did you know churches have ears? It's in the scriptures here. The ears of the church in Jerusalem. And they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. We later know him as the Apostle Paul. And when he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. And so for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, each according to their ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. Just a snapshot of the expansion of the early church. Hop over to Acts 13. Acts 12 is a really good chapter, by the way. But just hop to 13 with me this morning. And we'll pick up just the first three verses. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who'd been brought with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So after they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. Lord Jesus Christ, would you get hold of us this morning with this gospel to the nations? Lord, from us to the ends of the earth and also to the ends of our street, would you reignite those of us who've become blocked with the courage and the power of the Holy Spirit? God, would you let us feel the sense of your call and your compassion as Amy was prophesying earlier? I pray for our teenagers in the room this morning. God, I know you got hold of my heart reading Brother Andrew biographies uh, as a young teenager. God, would you just speak something? Give us, may we be a church with ears that hear what you're doing in other places and begin to catch your compassion and your mercy and your longing to join and partner in every way we can with the good news of Jesus. So, Lord, we just ask you to speak to us in these next few minutes and continue to multiply and spring out from us all that you're already doing in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, this church plant into Antioch, they were Greek-speaking. The church had started in a Hebrew-speaking city of Jerusalem. Uh, It was definitely a cross-cultural church setting in Antioch. Again, the church up until that point had been a monoculture. It had been a Jewish culture only. This was a a church initiated by the Holy Spirit. Um, It wasn't strategic uh, church planting from the apostles uh, in their head office deciding on a map, where should we plant next? It was completely, apparently, circumstantial in that persecution that had broken out in Jerusalem against the early church after the stoning of Stephen meant that People like you and me scattered. We didn't feel safe gathering and worshipping in our homes and our communities in Crawley. And so we fled across the channel to France 
and where we set up home in France, began sharing the gospel with those that the Lord had put around us. That's exactly what happened here as believers went to Antioch and started new homes, new businesses, and began sharing with their friends and their neighbors. It wasn't at all strategic. They were ordinary believers. In fact, the strategic apostles only got involved later once they heard that something was starting. That the ears in Jerusalem heard uh, about the news from Antioch, about even Greeks now are responding to the gospel. Uh, and so Barnabas was sent then at that point from the apostolic team in Jerusalem and went, he gathered a team for himself. He picked young Saul, who'd been a troublemaker, um, laid foundations, worked with a team from Jerusalem, invited prophets in and out, this, this inward and outward flow of apostolic team into a local church. Does that sound familiar to us here, perhaps, in, in Crawley? And then in Acts 13, out of a prayer meeting um, next Sunday night, who knows what could happen with their multicultural leadership team, the Holy Spirit sent Barnabas and Saul out to plant churches from their base in Antioch. This is what uh, sometimes you hear people talk in Christian jargon about having an Antioch church or a hub church. This is what it looks like. It's uh, uh, planted by the Holy Spirit. It's training. It's equipping. It's sending. It's releasing. And like the New Testament church, we are leaning into this kind of apostolic vision, which far outweighs our resources of people and finance, and yet it's who God has called us to be. Prophetically, we grow into that and lean into that. It was wonderful having uh, Stuart Namel with us from Montpellier in the south of France just two, three weeks ago. Stuart prophesying again as he prayed at the end that we're a, word, uh, we're a church where the nations will come together and the nations will go out to, uh, will be sent out to. Uh, this is what a church in apostolic partnership looks like. Uh, the Antioch church were not on their own. Um, the Jerusalem church didn't say, hey, well done, we hear you got started, all the best. Um, no, they were, they were rooted in a bigger vision and supported by an apostolic team. They had an impact locally in their city. Commentators say the Antioch church grew to a significant size in terms of reaching their uh, Greek-Roman city. Um, but it wasn't enough for them just to reach Antioch. And as they're praying, even if it had been enough for them, the Holy Spirit was speaking to them in Acts 13, saying it's time to go out from here. An apostolic DNA will always push a church outward into places beyond. And in Acts 13, we see that they send two of their very best. In fact, their founding elders, um, Barnabas and Saul. You think, well, let's send some of the young bucks, the young guns, uh, see how they get on with a bit of support. We'll put some money in their pocket. We'll give them a plan. We'll tell them what. No, no, no. They sent their founding leaders to go. They sent from their best uh, out from Antioch. And so there's a, a generous attitude. There's an attitude of encouragement all around the apostolic. Barnabas himself is called a son of encouragement. His primary gift to the Antioch church was one of encouragement uh, in their discipleship. And this kind of generous apostolic attitude must continue to form part of how we operate in terms of people and time and budget and money and leadership development. That's just how it should be in a New Testament apostolic hub church. We're not just building something for here and now that will be enough for us. But we are to be those who are in an airport town with thousands from other nations, but to be a base of a New Testament church that not only reaches out to those, but goes way beyond that into cities, cultures, nations, languages, beyond. Honestly, that's why Kaz and I came here. 
when God first began speaking to us and we first began having secret talks with Keith and Maggie and Justin and the New Ground team. Um, one of the reasons that, that just grew so strongly in my heart was the joy of working with a growing church in an airport town that might not only reach a growing multicultural church, but might reach into cities and nations beyond. It's why I came. God put it so strongly on my heart. We carry so many of those prophetic words from long before my time with you, and even in more recent years and months. In fact, even in the last few months, as we are recovering from a difficult year, some of the key words that God has spoken in to encourage us and help us get back on track again have been these very kinds of words about pushing out and the airport and leaders and cities and church planting. You think, God, that's beyond us right now in our weakness. And yet God says it's the very reason why you're here. Can I hear an amen, please? I hope I'm not chasing ahead of you this morning. And so for us, um, we partner with the, the New Ground Apostolic Team. We don't connect with an apostolic team in Jerusalem like the Antioch Church did. Um, we, uh, we welcome and value the, the apostolic lead of Dave Holden and his, his team they really help us. It's not um, the places that we get involved in, and we'll, we'll just talk about this practically for a few minutes, are not based on my preference or, or, uh, um, or, or just kind of you know, potluck, um, or one of the elders has a friendship here or, or there. We want to be and are led and directed by the lead of the apostolic team. Um, that helps us to say yes to the right things, and it helps us to say no to the wrong things. Probably over the last 15 or so years, I've personally sought to operate on that level uh, so that my own life and the life of the churches I've been involved in leading doesn't just go out of control and crazy, uh, both in terms of trips all over the place and in terms of welcoming all kinds of waifs and strays uh, amongst us. If you don't speak English as your first language, to use the phrase waif and stray is not particularly helpful. Forgive me, but I'll move on. Um, so here are the three levels that we tend to operate on, and maybe they help you just have a little behind-the-scenes understanding of how it works with our apostolic team. I guess, firstly, um, the, the first way we get involved are with those groups or church plants or cities or nations that are dependent on us here in Crawley. Uh, we're really carrying the, the lead. Um, we began that way uh, in Romania, um, planting a little group with, with Flavius, who is here with us. Very sadly right now, that's not functioning. Uh, Flavius has gone back into uh, a local church where he's being well cared for uh, and well supported and is serving the Lord. But the little group that we began has all gone back in the box right now. It's painful, um, and uh, we're praying lots for them. Uh, that, that was a work that was dependent on us. Uh, and that we were taking the lead on. There's some other uh, work in Romania at the moment for the whole of New Ground that feels as though it's just hit the, the, the stop and wait sign. Uh, I'm meeting this coming week at the New Ground Prayer Days with Henk, uh, Henk Kirsten, who many of you know has served us here so well. Uh, just to talk with Henk as a part of the apostolic team, how are we serving into Romania? And what does a church like us in Crawley, what are the next steps for us where the things that we've been doing ha have all just uh, quietened down? So there have been things like Romania where we really take a lead and we'll continue to. I guess what is beginning to develop gently through relationship, primarily through Danny's call and ministry and then through our friendship, um, is also the work in, in Brazil uh, that, again, is dependent on us. And New Ground are, are beginning to look at how we work together on that. But primarily, it's a Crawley-led function because of the relationship that we have here. And Danny, I hope, is just going to bring a little update on that in a few minutes 
time. So we work on our dependent level. Secondly, we work on our kind of friendship and support level. So Zambia would be true, a case in point. Joseph doesn't need us in the way he did 10, 15 years ago. He leads his own apostolic team. He's working with all kinds of amazing groups uh, around the world. Um, but he very much needs our friendship, our prayers, our support, our encouragement. And so we work, try to work wisely in walking alongside him in that. I think what we've been doing in Italy uh, for a season has been a dependent on us uh, tier. Uh, right now is just dependent on our friendship and our prayer uh, and our support. We'll get an update from Chris and Nick, I hope, in a, in a few moments. To an extent, friendship and support characterizes what's opened up in Holland in the last year or two. We have some strong friendships through Henk and Yune, first of all, with this church, people like Martin and Lisa that lead the church in Maastricht that some of us have got to know so well. And of course, with relationship, you start praying for people. Indeed, we've now sent our eldest son, Noah, who's been out in Maastricht for a year. And, and, and so a church that none of us would have had any direct involvement with becomes someone that we're praying for and investing in in our prayer life. They're not dependent on us. We're not setting the apostolic lead. There's a team that do that wonderfully. But they are dependent on our prayers, our encouragement, our friendship from time to time, uh, our visits. And it was wonderful not only to have a few days with Noah last weekend with, with our family, uh, but also just to be with this time last week, to be with the Maastricht Church Plant in their new building in the city centre, um, a wonderful theatre that they're growing into, maybe 50, 60 people, and to preach and to serve them. So there's a dependent level, and there's a friendship and support level. Um, and then I guess what I call connected friendship. So people like Dave and Al. Uh, Dave's fly, flying out to Senegal today uh, to meet up with Al, his wife. She's already been serving missionary groups. We don't lead on that. Uh, they work with YWAM, and rightly so, YWAM call the shots. But they're part of us. They're part of this family. And so we hold it in our hearts. We pray for them. We encourage them. We try and support them wherever we can. I think, to, again, to an extent, what Valentina is doing with Everyday Online, Everyday Tserkov, Everyday Russia, uh, reaching into the Russian-speaking world. Again, we, we don't have to call the shots on, on that. There's a, a team that Valentina partners with uh, that do that. But Valentina's part of us. And we so value what she's doing here and beyond, and so we pray for her, we stand with her. Uh, but it doesn't stand or fall on us. So these three levels help us to know how we're operating, what we invest, how we invest in time and people, uh, visits, whether it's dependent on us, whether it's about friendship and support, or whether it's the kind of connected friendship. All of them have the same level of prayer and care. They are not ranked in terms of importance, um, but the level of involvement will differ. And primarily for us, because there'll be many in this room that say, it's great to hear that. Nice to know behind the scenes how it works a little bit. But, but I, I probably won't be someone who gets involved massively in that. Hey, it's great. But you're still part of an apostolic church and an apostolic family. And primarily these relationships are characterized through prayer and through our prayer life. Again, that's where Rich is called to come pray next Sunday night becomes so important. When you read Paul's letters, Paul the Apostle writing to the churches that he's either planted or that he's not yet visited, but he's praying for. He speaks about how he holds them in his heart, how he has affection for them. He speaks about them and prays about them with the same heart and concern that he would have for his own people. And that's how we carry things too. Uh, we express through prayer and perhaps through the occasional uh, and consistent sending of gifting people as a love and a serving resource. But primarily for you and I, we, we hold this relationship in our hearts. We pray the very best things we could pray for ourselves over those in the kinds of nations that we've just spoken about. Um, 
next year we're just talking and praying and looking at our budgets as well for uh, taking part in a new ground team to Brazil. Um, Joseph and Lillian, who had such a helpful 10 days with us here uh, last, last month, no, uh, October, it's November now, um, eight weeks till Christmas, sorry. Um, and uh, I know they're very keen for us to come and do some work with them and next year as well. We're looking and praying at that, as well as our, particularly, I think, through this next year, our continued serving and praying into Romania. This is a mutual thing. We give and we receive. We go to teach, but we learn far more. I tell you, you, you spend a morning with a church plant in Maastricht last Sunday. I, I'm sure they did me far more good than I uh, brought to them. You go and uh, spend a few days serving Romanian believers. You come back tired but so refreshed in your spirit. We ran around Brazil for a week trying to serve and get alongside pastors and their wives that are doing some amazing outstanding works like Biro and Dino who were here with us in the summer. You spend a few days with them. You come back exhausted but so refreshed. We've received far more than we give. It's a mutual apostolic partnership where we learn and we love and where some will go and serve and where some will host when people come to us. But all of us, church, must pray. Even if all you do is pray, what a powerful partnership that is that we are invited into. And finally, before we invite some others, this apostolic DNA, and I'll come on to this perhaps next week as well when we look at a healthy heart for evangelism. This apostolic DNA is reflected in the kind of church that we build here at home. Um, I was looking this week at the 2011 census figures, the collation of information about the town. So it's already seven or eight years out of date in this fast-growing town. But the figures from 2011 show uh, nearly 8,000 non-British Europeans living uh, in and working in Crawley. The biggest group of the non-British Europeans, uh, whatever that means in this Brexit era, um, but I think it means people that aren't indigenous to these islands. Uh, the biggest group are from Poland and the Baltic areas, although there's a large group of Romanians as well. So far, we're not really reaching so many of those with the gospel. Many would come from Catholic or Orthodox backgrounds. We've got work to do with the gospel church. There are 15,000, or there were in 2011, there will be more now, um, and the numbers are never right anyway. 15,000 from Asian backgrounds, mainly from Indian and Pakistani backgrounds, mainly therefore from Hindu backgrounds uh, and cultures, or from Islamic backgrounds and cultures. Take a look around the room. It's not to our shame, but we have work to do. There's an opportunity with the gospel to the ends of our road, not to the ends of the earth. There are over 5,000 from black Afro-Caribbean backgrounds that will come with a whole mix of worldviews and cultures that we want to play our part along with other churches with in reaching with the Gospels. These flags around the walls uh, in the room are not just for a bit of decoration on white walls. They represent, yes, some of the nations that we're serving and praying into, like Zambia, but they also represent the nations which make up this current church family. And so while there is much work to do, it's rather exciting to recognize that we already are represented by a number of nations from all over planet Earth. Um, and uh, we've, we've got some to add today. I don't, um, Jefferson, you're not here today, Jefferson, are you? Am I speaking? Uh, Jefferson's gone home, hopefully, to bring his family back to the UK from the Philippines. Um, but we've got a, a Philippines flag that when Jefferson is back with us, we will present to him. And with a rapturous round of applause, we will stick to the wall to add to our spread uh, around uh, the rooms. I think, uh, is Abel, Abel and Lisa here today as well? 
No, I can't see a bell either. So we've got a Paraguayan flag uh, to represent a bell. Okay, but there are some who are here. So uh, let's do some of this. Um, oh, look at this. This is exciting. Is that Philippines? That's Paraguay. That's Philippines. Thanks, mate. Couldn't do it without you. So, um, but we do have some here in our Russian-speaking group who you may think, oh, they're all from Russia, but they're not. We already have the Ukrainian flag, second one in on the, on the wall there. You knew that anyway, didn't you? Um, but uh, today we'd love to, uh, and I think, Zoya, you represent um, Estonia. This is Estonia, isn't it? Okay, so let's... Rich, can you, Rich, can you present this to Zoya? And let's have a round of applause as Zoya stands. So Estonia flag to Zoya. Well done. We'll have to take it back off you uh, at some point so we can, I can get my wife to attach some Velcro and we can stick them to the walls. And uh, we've, we've been too slow. Lewis, we've been uh, so encouraged by you and Luce and your prophetic shaping and your friendship. But we also have a Spanish flag here. I can't believe we've been so slow in getting our Spanish flag on the wall. Is that, uh, is that the right kind of gig there? So let's give them a round of applause as well. Well done. We're going we're gonna to pray for you and your nation in a few moments. You can bring your flags down to the, the front. If, if Stuart, uh, Stuart's word from two, three weeks ago is right, and we believe it, and if God really is bringing nations together in this church, then, friends, we have more flags, more nations, more prayer, more work to do. Twenty years ago this weekend, uh, I was leading a church plant in Oldham in North Manchester, and we were a white, indigenous, English church. And as we prayed um, before our meeting that Sunday morning, one of my fellow elders, Ian Collins, said, I, I feel the need to prophesy that God is changing the color of our church. And we all said, amen, amen. We were very excited. And he said, I, I feel I need to say he's doing it from today. And at that point, we all got a little nervous because we thought that's a really bold, prophetic word. We've been a church plant now for three years, and uh, we've not yet seen anyone who's not white and British join us. Uh, in this town of Oldham. But we felt that Ian had spoken with courage, and so we prayed and said, Lord, please would you do it? As we were worshipping that morning in this horrible community center where we couldn't even put our kids down on the floor because they get up so dirty, um, and uh, we left it cleaner every week than we found it. It's why I still love hoovering today uh, when we start church. It's, it's, all, uh, it's all to do with your past. Um, and uh, as we were worshipping, um, a guy stuck his head through the doors at the back, blackface. Um, and uh, I, I ran round to the back and said, hi, can, can I help you? He said, can I come in? I uh, heard the sound of singing as I walked past, and uh, can I come and worship with you? And at that point, he came in with his son, Daniel, who was the same age as our Noah at that time, so probably four years old, and uh, Noah, who's now living and working in my street. And uh, Osman came in and worshipped with us that morning, and we were just blown away by the mercy of God in speaking to us and beginning to change something for us. I went to see, two days later on the Tuesday evening, I remember it because it was bonfire night, I went to see Osman and Daniel. He was a refugee. They were refugees from Sierra Leone. They'd fled the fighting in Freetown and found their way to the northwest of England. And uh, as I knocked on their door, I had to wait a few minutes before they finally came and answered the door in this awful little home they'd been housed in, although they were grateful for it. And uh, as I came in, they pulled me in quickly and said, please, please come. And I had to go and sit with them under the kitchen table. 
um, because all over Oldham that night, fireworks were going off and they just fled only three or four months ago. The fighting in Freetown with the shelling going on night after night uh, where his own wife had disappeared and so many of his friends had died and they were terrified. And so hiding under the kitchen table, I explained to them what bonfire night was all about and we shared stories. Within six months, our church plant of about 60 people was about 100 people um, of whom about 40 were black and Asian, all because of Osman and the gift to us from God opening his home and beginning to invite his friends. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Osman changed me. His friends changed my life. So much of what we walk in now was from those days, but primarily it's out of the scriptures. And friends, we have more flags. We have more Osmonds. We're so grateful, those of you who have come to us from other nations, you've been patient with us while we learn around you. Thank you. Uh, we recognize there are other churches you could worship with that would be closer to your culture and your language. But we're really grateful that you have caught something of the apostolic vision that means that you want to be with us and help us. And we're profoundly grateful. And perhaps if you're white British, you just want to clap with me and applaud those. We really do value what you're bringing to us. And thank you so much for your kindness in helping to shape us. Listen, most of us won't go on missions trip to the nations or go to plant in other European cities. Most of us don't have to, but we do get to love our neighbors. We do get to go visit an Osman two or three doors down. We do get to live for Jesus in our workplace. We do get to be intentional here, even in, in how we run this building with the hundreds of people that come through here each week or in the center at Revive in town. Each of us get to be ready with our story to talk and share about what Jesus has done in our lives, wherever we've been scattered in our lives. Um, amongst those who Jesus has already placed us amongst, we get to live like missionaries in our own city. We get to learn a few words. Uh, I said hello in a few languages badly earlier, but you know, even that helps. We're in a restaurant on, um, on Friday night and a Romanian waitress came over. I thought she was Romanian. I was able to say hello and just ask her a few questions in my bad Romanian. Livio, Simone, you know my Romanian's really bad. But I was able to ask her, what's your name? Where do, where do you come from? How are you? Those kinds of things. And suddenly a conversation opens up that means somebody is open to me and to my story uh, about Jesus. We get to live that way in Crawley. What a privilege for us uh, to get to learn about people around us that come from different backgrounds, that believe different narratives. We get to pray for people that are so different from what we've grown up in and we get to pray and get ready to make Jesus known to them. Can I hear an amen to that please? So um, without further ado, uh, Danny can you come? Uh, Valentina can you come? Chris, Nick, Chris, just Chris uh, and Jackie as well if you're around. Is Jack around? Going to go and get Jack, that's fine. Let's welcome these guys. We're going to get some updates and then we're going to pray together. Very good morning. Let your light shine before others, then that, uh, they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I wake up this morning with Matthew 5 in my mind. I was, uh, do I have the pictures there? Uh, every week I have a meeting with Biro and the guys in the church and there to remember them. Uh, this is the Holy Communion, the super with the flag. They keep praying for this church and all their churches praying for you guys. So every week I have a meetings and once a month I have a meeting with the leadership and the, the guys in there have some trainings online. They are doing very well and I have good news to share with you this morning. Uh, something happened. 
there is a company because uh, I always keep sharing with them about, oh, this is the teachers and the English teacher as well. Now they have English teacher and football and sports and the volunteers. Um, I always share with them, don't wait only for incoming or offers or help from church. So I have many companies around, not only local shops, but I have many companies. And something happened, and now they are having a huge impact in that town. The town is upside down because the, the company, we have some pictures, we keep looking, with 2,000 employees, uh, the company is there for 70 years in the town. Uh, they produce ethanol and sugar. They send the human resource team. They have been in the church. It's this company there. They had a meeting with Biro, and they decide to be sponsors of 40 children. Uh, praise God. Praise be the name of the Lord. This is the power of the outcome and action of the church. There's a seed inside of you. There's a whole and powerful seed. In the dark. I love to see the darkness be defeated. I love to see the church in action. And now uh, they are paying for the teachers. The, oh, this is the employees of the company. They have a meeting. Uh, and how is the name? The uniform, the karate uniform, kimono. Is that kimono? Yeah. The judo, karate. And the company is paying for everything, so they're very happy. Uh, and they are facing new challenges. Because it's not only to help the children and the poor families. They are a church. They preach the gospel. And they are doing very well in the Bible studies. The Sunday school and the Bible school is very strong there with the women group, with the teenagers group, with the children group. They are doing very well. And now they are facing a new challenge. You know that kind of pray that we pray driving or in the post office queue? This is one kind of pray. There's another type of pray when we need to pray for the impossible stuffs. And they are praying for the impossible now. Because... Uh, they pay monthly in pounds around to keep everything working 24-7, the church and receiving the families and all the job, they are spending around in pounds, 3,000 pounds, 3,500 pounds to keep everything working. And the last month, because monthly we talk about the accountability and everything, and the last month the collection was 2,100, 1,000 less. And they say, Danny, you are spending 700 pounds only with the rent, with the new building. Okay, what's the solution? Of course, we are praying for the resources, but now we are praying for our own building. <laughs> Man, this is impossible. I love this. Because if it's easy, anyone can do it. You are not anyone. God can do the impossible. Okay, let's pray for the building. Let's pray for the own building. And they start to pray. And this, this company is coming. And the politicians are going there. Half of the half of this building, 100 people in the church, a small town in the very countryside of Sao Paulo, 5,000 people in the town, they are changing the town. It's the impact, it's the power, it's the same Holy Spirit, it's the same God, it's the same fire, it's the same seed that is inside of you now. And this company, they understood the Proverbs 21, I'm preaching, oh my God, <laughs> I'm finishing. They understood... Uh, is written there, those who shut their ears for the cry of the poor, you will also cry out and not be answered. And the company is helping if, if you feel free for this. Because God will bless you anyway, if you be part of this or not. But if you want to be part of this, they need help. 
you can talk to me, you can send me a text message, we can talk in the coffee area, and we can change their world. Okay? God bless you. So we're going to gather around each of these uh, ladies and gents in a moment and pray uh, as we finish. Valentina. Yeah. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Again, I don't know whether if our amazing PAT might be able to give you a little glimpse of everyday church uh, as I speak, just to uh, just to give you a flavour of how it is. Like my husband very kindly put it together while my computer was down. So um, here you would see uh, online church in action, online worship. Um, online interaction. You probably didn't know that Phil can do it in Russian and so can uh, Adrian as well. And uh, we now stream the services every hour. Sometimes we have interactive openings <laughs> for, for the prayer uh, to um, uh, really connect with people as well as uh, serving via social media and connecting with people. Uh, for us, it really is a great blessing to be a branch of a global mission uh, through everyday, uh, everyday London, everyday English. Uh, we've started two years ago uh, and we only had a funding for the first year. So for us, it is really a miracle that we are still going in our second year. Uh, right now, we are doing a series uh, of preaching on 15 big questions about faith. And uh, we're really grateful uh, to God and it's so thankful for your prayers for our uh, small group, uh, Mark and Julie's prayers. Um, Jill, you've been an absolute warrior in prayer uh, because it is really uh, heavy on our hearts. Uh, in Russian-speaking world, we see glimpses of spiritual awakening in Southwest. But uh, in, uh, um, in the eastern part, um, as, as many of you know, the situation is uh, totally different. Uh, there are a number of uh, countries which are on, um, on the list for persecuted Christianity, such as Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan, Kazakhstan, many stands, and Russia is not really far off. So this is really an instrument for us to spread the gospel to these areas where people don't have a church uh, or cannot get into the church. Um, so what's in our hearts to praise for revival in all Russian-speaking world, where it started to cover the whole Russian-speaking world for all of it to be united. Uh, I probably can't see in black, but we really pray also for um, everyday online communities because interacting online is uh, is really different. We we see many people now coming, and we really pray to build uh, relationships with them to really share with them the love of God and God the Father. And we are ever so grateful for your prayers and for our Russian group, which started here locally. So we also pray to keep growing in God and in number here. So thank you all. It's a joint mission, really. Thank you, Lord. Now, you see, I didn't prepare any visuals, so you've just got to listen to me, I'm afraid. There's no pictures, no videos, nothing exciting at all, other than me. Thank you. Um, Italy is a funny country. It's about the same size as the UK, about the same number of people, about the same geographical area as the UK. 
just under 2,000 years ago. It was the point from which the global expansion of the church that we now know started. Um, as the church went to Rome, it was through the Roman Empire that the church spread quickly into what we now know as Europe and beyond. But now, if you look at the statistics now, Italy is one of the least reached countries in Europe, if not in the world, for the gospel. The number of evangelicals in Italy is somewhere around the 1% mark, which makes it an unreached nation, believe it or not. Um, Italy is a strange country anyway. It's only 150 years old. Um, before that, it was a number of small city-states that were always fighting and arguing and disagreeing with each other. Even when it became a country 150 or so years ago, Rome wasn't part of it. Rome joined a bit later. It's a strange place, Italy, but God still loves Italy and God still loves Italians. Um, many of you may have heard bits of um, Nicola's and, uh, Nicola and my story and Flo and Ed. Um, many of you won't have heard our story, but God spoke to us um, seven or eight years ago and simply said, go to Italy. That was it. Not go to plant churches or go to do it. Just go to Italy. So we obediently went to Italy. And in the process of going and living there for a year and getting to know um, people over there, we found that God had placed a similar call on a number of people. There are people living in or who either who are or have been living in Turin in the north, in Milan, in um, Genoa, um, all northern cities. We've got, there are people living in Florence, in Rome, in, um, oh, loads of, uh, Naples, Catania down in Sicily. We know a lot of people that God has put cities and the nation of Italy on their heart. But as I said, Italy's a strange place. It's very difficult to break into the culture. It's very difficult to start anything in Italy. Culturally, it's very difficult to start anything. They look to one great leader and expect them to do everything for them. Doing anything in community is a difficult thing to do. And so, how do we as a local church, or how do we as a family of churches in new ground, start to work out God's love for that nation? Well, at the moment, it's through relationships with people. But more than that, we can pray. And in three weeks' time, I think on the 21st, if I get my dates right, 24th, thank you, um, here at Crawley, we are hosting an Italy Day. You may not have known that, but we are. We are hosting an Italy Prayer Day, where a number of different people will either be here in person or on the big screen talking about what God is doing in their lives in Italy, in the nation of Italy. Um, we're going to be there. We're going to be sharing a little bit about um, so, um, a particular family in Florence. There's other um, families who will be here and talking about what God's doing in other cities around the nation. We, as a local church, using the building that we have got, can host a meeting which is praying for the nation of Italy and getting excited about what God's doing in Italy. and maybe touching some hearts for that nation, like God did with Nicola and I seven or eight years ago. I would love, as many of you as can make it on that day, to come and pray for Italy, because it's part of who we are as a local church. We can host that day. Not all of you will go. Some of you may never go to Italy. That's fine, but you can all pray, just as Steve said earlier. So 
This morning, what are we praying for? Well, we're praying for God to start um, breaking into the lives and the hearts of people to serve Italy, for those who are already in Italy. But I think more than that, we cannot do, we, we, we know from experience and others know that there's very little that we can do as individuals in Italy. But as a community, as a group, as a family of churches, um, with the Holy Spirit at work in us and his power at work in us, we have faith that God's going to do something amazing in that nation. And that's what we want to pray for. I feel a bit of a fraud standing up here, really, because um, talking about Zambia, but it is something that's really I'm really passionate about, and God did put it on my heart, and, and it was amazing to have the opportunity to go. Um, obviously, we've had Joseph and Lillian over recently, so you guys sort of know what's going on mainly, but I just wanted to do a little bit of a recap on what we've done since they've been. So they were here last month. Um, we're still the second leading church as far as sponsoring children, which I think is amazing. Um, so well done, and you know we're still because this is definitely a partnership that we've got with these guys. Um, but also we've now released the funds that these that you all amazingly did on the run that we we did. So we've re, we've sent three thousand pounds last week um, to start the chicken farm. Um, so they've got some guys over there. They've been researching. Um, unfortunately, I don't know if you know, but Phil and Sonia couldn't go last this year because Phil had an accident with his hand and he had a major accident and he wasn't able to fly over there, but we're still hoping to get them out next year because um, he's an integral part to actually getting this farm up and running and all of the things that need to be done. Um, but they are going to start building the foundation for it beforehand with the money that we've sent. Um, and also, the other thing that Steve and I were a bit blown away by when they came over and showed us is the container that we sent. Well, they had two containers, but the one that we sent a couple of years ago, they've actually turned into a cafe on their church site um, so they're actually going to start uh, serving, tea, serving coffees and they're looking into that and just sort of, again, like we do with Revive, it's just an outreach, it's an opportunity when, when kids, you know, mums and dads bring their children to school to have somewhere that they can sit and have a chat. So they're doing amazingly well with what we've gifted on what other churches have gifted them. It's brilliant. Okay, so uh, well done. Uh, it's, it's my fault, I've taken you over time today. Uh, next Sunday night we will pray specifically into these, but we're going to take two minutes now. We can't hear that and not respond. So I'm going to ask all of you before you run off for a tea or a coffee to get up out of your chairs and to get around. Uh, Jackie's going back to the kitchen, are you? That's fine. So get around Neil uh, for Zambia and uh, Chris and Valentina and Danny. Maybe you can spread out teenagers, adults. Let's get around and pray and pray our best prayers for two minutes and just welcome the Holy Spirit to open up in each of these areas that you've heard about. There may be some specific things. Come now. Come now, come now. Well done. Um, we're praying for an unlocking. We're praying for a provision of people, of resources, of finance, of buildings. Maybe you're offering up your own heart to the Lord. Maybe some of you here that are 13, 14, 15 years old saying, Lord, have you put a nation on my heart this morning? Maybe some of you are just praying for your own kids. Even your own babies. God, might it be one day we might be able to send and release our children for the gospel. So we'll pick this up again next week. But uh, let's just pray now for a few moments, shall we? If you want to pray in your own language that's not English, feel free to pray. Pray in Portuguese, Romanian, Russian.